Hello All Saints Catholic College and welcome to a special edition of SaintsCast. In this edition, we will be discussing the ongoing topic of Black Lives Matter. As I'm sure you're all aware, an African-American man named George Floyd was knelt on by police officers for over eight minutes, which resulted in him losing consciousness and dying. After the murder of George Floyd, there have been worldwide protests which have taken place. It is significant with all that is going on in the world that we are able to talk about the topic in hand and discuss our thoughts and feelings as a school community so that when we are reunited together, we are united and stand as one. This discussion and education is vital if we are to get rid of racism from our school, local community, country and world. It is a responsibility placed on all of us and not just from those who suffer at the hands of it. I would like to make it clear that the term Black Lives Matter is separate from any organisation or company, but rather what those three words represent. The term Black Lives Matter, as mentioned previously, has been documented globally, and with protesting taking place in various countries such as the United States, Belgium, France and Australia, to name a few, it is important that we learn where the term Black Lives Matter originated from. The term Black Lives Matter first originated in 2013, when 17-year-old Trayvon Martin was shot to death by by a neighbourhood watch volunteer named George Zimmerman. Zimmerman initially did not face any charges, and when those charges were brought to him, Zimmerman was acquitted against his charges. This led to the hashtag of the words Black Lives Matter. That hashtag has now turned into a movement. The movement, as it stands today, is to bring an awareness to police brutality, racism and inequality. By inequality, this is referring to the difference between two or more things. Within those inequalities, there is racial inequality. By racial inequality, this is referring to the different experiences people have due to the colour of their skin. This can be seen in different parts and segments of society, such as education and employment opportunities. The Black Lives Matter movement is committed to their belief that all humans are equal and as such should have equal rights and opportunities no matter the colour of their skin. The Black Lives Matter name does not imply that white lives or any other lives do not matter. It is ensuring that black people have equal rights and opportunities does not mean taking rights and opportunities away from those of other skin colours. All people can have rights at the same time and the name Black Lives Matter refers to the fact that in many communities around the world it is thought that black lives do not matter the same as their white counterparts. And for that to change and help generate a change this needs to be pointed out. Often you may hear the term All Lives Matter in response to the Black Lives Matter movement. As mentioned earlier, all people can have rights and it is true that all lives do matter. In order for us to be equal, everyone's life should matter. But a lot of the time, this is used as a counter to downplay racism and to shift the focus away from the Black Lives Matter movement. For example, you may have seen campaigns 
to save the dolphins. But we don't say save all the mammals. Or another example, when people wear pink to raise awareness for breast cancer, we don't state that all cancers matter. We simply do these things to raise awareness for those who are in need. And there is no difference here when we say the term Black Lives Matter. As with all issues, but especially with regards to racism, before we form our own views, we should educate ourselves, learn from others and listen to others and be open to hearing new ideas. Let us hear what you, the students of All Saints, felt in about issues of racial inequality being presented in the news. Your teachers wanted to hear your responses to this matter directly. There has been and continues to be a vast amount of media coverage on the issues surrounding race. This has highlighted a number of topics which are being discussed at present. From a survey conducted on All Saints students, over 95% of you said that you had been discussing the protests and the reasons behind them with your families. It was great to hear from so many of you, so we're going to take some time now to hear your views. Many of you commented on your immediate reactions to the killing of George Floyd, which made you feel shocked and upset, sad, angry and distraught. These reactions are completely understandable. It's hard to watch injustices and violence occur because of the colour of someone's skin. You were not alone in feeling like this. So many were hurt and upset at what they saw. These reactions led to the protests we saw on the news. All students who responded to the survey understood the reasons for these protests. Ruth in Year 9 claimed the protests are justified. Following on, she said, I understand that people are tired of the injustice towards people of colour. There has been a lot of pent-up frustration towards unjust killings of people of colour and the George Floyd case triggered a worldwide response. Hamza in Year 7 agrees with Ruth. And he said, I feel that the people who are protesting against the killing of George Floyd have the right to express their anger but I think that the protest should be done in a calm and peaceful way. Susie in Year 9 agrees, stating, We must stand together during this time to show others that it is not right and will not be tolerated. Kiddus in Year 8 highlighted that the protests were not only being attended by the black community. He highlighted that people of all colours are joining together to stand up for each other and the Black Lives Matter movement. I feel Andresa sums up the Black Lives Matter movement protests nicely when she said, people are protesting for equality between all races and consequently all lives. This being said, the protests are focusing on black lives as shown by the phrase Black Lives Matter. Since at our current point in time, the black community isn't treated equally in comparison to the white community. They do, do not deny that all lives matter but are instead saying that black lives must matter so that all lives matter. Since they are currently not viewed this way by society and societal structures. All students at All Saints appear to have an overwhelming sense of justice. 
you all expressed wanting to see peace and harmony among different groups of people. Let us be reminded continuously of this sense of justice when we are faced with adversity or witness adversity. You have very interesting views on this issue, All Saints. The location of our school has seen race as a central topic for numerous years. Let us hear from Ms Harper, who will inform us of the history of Labrook Grove. With Black Lives Matter protests happening across America and now in London, with statues of those who profited from slavery being torn down, and with people examining their own ideas and prejudice around race, it's clear that history is important. What's happening today is a reminder of how we need to understand our path to realise how to move forward positively in the future. Today I do not want to look at slavery in America, or at Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. What I will do is look at the history of black immigration and racism a little closer to home, in Labrook Grove and North Kensington. In order to do this we need to go back in time. In 1948, Britain still had an empire. This means a collection of countries around the world were controlled by Britain. In World War II, people from all over the empire had helped Britain to win the war. One of the groups that fought for Britain was people from the West Indies, for example Jamaica, Barbados and Trinidad. They supplied over 10,000 men for the British Army. Life was hard in the Caribbean when these men went home. Many looked to Britain as a better opportunity. In 1948, Parliament in Britain passed the British Nationality Act and all people from the Empire were allowed to live and work in Britain. Britain needed workers in transport, the postal service and in hospitals, so it really helped Britain. And London had been destroyed during the Blitz and needed rebuilding. Many people in the West Indies therefore came to Britain. The ship Windrush sailed to Britain full of people from the West Indies, excited for a new life. On this boat there were lawyers, tailors, welders, farmers, singers, mechanics and boxers. All kinds of people in need of work. When the ship finally docked, smartly dressed West Indians posed for journalists. They all quickly found jobs and soon many of their families came to join them. However, not all white British people welcomed them. The colour of their skin could cause hostile reactions and racist comments. Some of the problems they faced were difficulties in finding jobs that suited how well qualified they were, so those with really good qualifications often could only find low paid jobs. There were difficulties finding good places to live due to poor income and racism, and black children often had issues with bullying in schools from other pupils and even from teachers. These problems led to difficulties in finding friends, so black communities often stayed together, and this had a really negative impact on their self-esteem. West Kensington at this time was a poor area of London. Many families lived in one room surrounded by insects and bugs. There were in most buildings no toilets except one outside for the whole block. Many landlords refused to rent to black people at all, but one landlord, Rackman, became famous because he offered to rent to the new immigrants. However, he was actually massively overcharging the West Indian tenants as they didn't have the same legal protection to British citizens and they lived in terrible housing for really, really high rents. In August 1958, 10 years after Windrush came to Britain, nine white youths started what they called a hunting expedition for black people around Notting Hill. They were ready for violence and they were armed with iron bars, blocks of wood, an air pistol and a knife. By the time they were finished, nine black men were in hospital, three in very serious condition. Later that same month, an argument broke out on Latimer Road between a white woman and her black boyfriend. This sparked scuffles in the street between black and white groups as people saw the opportunity for a fight. 
By the following evening, 200 white people were rampaging the streets of Notting Hill, armed with weapons including sticks and butcher's knives and chanting, Go Home Blacks. Police tried to break up the mob and they were attacked too. The men said that their motto was to keep Britain white. After three days, the white gang had effectively been broken. 108 people were arrested and amazingly, despite injuries, nobody was killed. At this time though, North Kensington had become an area that attracted lots of racist organisations. For example, Oswald Mosley's black shirts were connected to Hitler and made many horrible, horrible racist speeches. There was also Colin Jordan's White Defence League, which became very popular in basically saying that everyone in Britain should be white. A year later, in 1959, a murder happened that further shook the area. Kelso Cochrane, a 32-year-old carpenter from Antigua, was saving money to study law. On the 17th of May in 1959, he was heading home late from hospital after fracturing his thumb at work. He was set upon by a gang of white youths who stabbed him to death with a knife. Three other man men arrived on the scene and the youths ran off. Cochrane was taken to hospital where he died an hour later. His funeral procession went along Labrook Grove and had around 1,200 black and white people who attended. This was because Cochrane had no enemies and no money in his wallet. People realised this killing had a racist motive and they wanted to stand up against this racism, but the police refused to admit it and no one was ever charged despite local people saying they knew who did it. There's a black, blue plaque sorry, to Kelso Cochrane um, actually on Goulburn Street, so if you can you should go and try and see it. Following this murder, black activist Claudia Jones tried to bring something positive out of the tragedy and organised events to celebrate Caribbean culture in the face of racism. These events are seen as forerunners to the first Notting Hill Carnival in 1966. North Kensington today has become a place where diversity is celebrated and the Notting Hill Carnival is now one of the world's largest street events, attracting around 2.5 million people annually. Despite this, issues around racism exist in this area and London today. So please be aware of this and try to exert as much positive impact on the world as you can. I hope you've learned something new today and you have a real think about what the history of your area is. Thank you, Miss Harper, for that piece. Inequality and injustice surrounding race has been an issue throughout human history. As a Catholic community, we must also look at what the church has taught its followers on how to tackle social injustices. Miss Meadie will now give an overview of Catholic social teachings. The events of George Floyd have shocked communities around the world. But how has the church responded? How should the church respond? In light of these recent events, the Holy Father, Pope Francis said, Dear brothers and sisters, I have witnessed with great concern the disturbing social unrest following the tragic death of Mr. George Floyd. My friends, we cannot tolerate or turn a blind eye to racism and exclusion in any form and yet claim to defend the sacredness of every human life. What does he mean by this? He is calling all Catholics to not turn a blind eye to injustice, no matter how uncomfortable it makes you feel. We are called to respond to racism in the world today and recognise the sacredness of every human life, regardless of colour, sex or creed. Pope Francis has always made it clear. 
from the start of his papacy that the Catholic Church should work together as one body for the justice and safety of all human persons. To truly understand how we should work for this social justice in the face of inequality, we must turn to the Bible. Jesus himself is an example of someone who spent his life promoting the dignity of all human people, regardless of their race, profession or religion. He demonstrated a preferential option for the poor and outcasts and is often recorded teaching his followers, the first shall be the last and the last shall be the first. This rings true today when we look at the news. The last shall be the first. In other words, those who are oppressed in this life and suffer at the hands of injustice shall reap rewards from the grace of God. But should those just simply wait to reap these rewards from God as it is promised in the Bible? For Catholics, the message is very clear. It is our responsibility to work for equality now. There is no waiting. Christ himself did not wait to call out injustices, no matter how uncomfortable it made his contemporaries. The last shall be the first, for only when the first bring others up to their level. It is a responsibility of everyone to work for justice. However, is it good enough to simply say this is wrong or this is unjust and then carry on with our lives? To truly respond to injustice, we are called to action. Saint Ignatius put it well when he said, love is shown in deeds more than words. The Catechism of the Catholic Church develops this idea and states young people are to overcome their individualism and discover, in the light of faith, their specific vocation, to make the world a better place. As Catholics, we recognise that racism is an evil which must be opposed. We all have a responsibility for actively promoting racial justice. We are called to respond to the violations of human dignity, as Christ himself did. I want to finish this short reflection with a message from St Paul. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgement on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, passes judgment on others, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the richness of his kindness, forbearance and patience? not realising that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, but glory, honour and peace for everyone who does good. God does not show favouritism. Thank you, Miss Mealy, for that very reflective overview on the church's mission to tackle racism. Remembering that we are all made in the image of God, regardless of race, sex or creed.
All Saints, the one thing to take away from this is it is our duty to recognize and stand up to injustices, inequality and racism where we see it. I hope you have enjoyed listening to your own views and the views of your teachers. God bless and have a great week.